Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. And listen, Ian and I have a good one for you today because we're going to be talking about wide receivers. This, I think, in my opinion, is probably the best wide receiver class that I've watched. I mean, there are legitimately like seven or eight guys who, if they went in round one, I would be like, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense that that guy went in round one. He fits this situation perfectly. And I think that it's going to be incredibly fun to stack these guys. And I think that, you know, a lot of people make fun of like the, the ice cream flavor stuff. Like what, what, you know, what is this guy? Like that's, you know, this is the type of wide receiver that I want. And that's kind of why I'm taking him. And all of these guys have differences in their game. So it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. We're not going to talk about the top guys. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not in this conversation. Malik Neighbors is not in this conversation. Keon Coleman, not in this conversation. But we're going to talk about that second and third tier of wide receiver that you guys should be looking out for. And we're going to talk about their strengths and weaknesses. I don't think we're going to stack them because it's so hard for me to stack them. If you want to go over your grades, if you graded them in, you can. Um, but I'm just going to kind of talk about these guys individually. They are, you know, the names brought up are not in any particular order, just the way that it is. But first, as always, I must ask, Ian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. I bought a new car last week, actually, while we were doing the Drake May pod. So I didn't, I didn't bring that up, but that was, that was a ordeal. That was my first time buying a new car, you know, and going through that process. That was fun, a little hectic, but we got the, we got the Honda Accord hybrid. Now we're good. We're good. You know, it's going to last a while. So that's fun. Uh, the wide receiver scouting. So fun. I mean, we were this past weekend, you know, I sent out a tweet like, and I was just kind of, you know, I'll just list the names here, you know, like how many names are we working with in, in, in the early round range. And I ran out of characters, you know, I couldn't get to all of them. So it's like, you know, the depth in the early round range in this class is very, very strong. And it, you mentioned like stacking these guys up. It's almost impossible, right? You know, it's one of those things where you could have them in almost any order in this tier two or tier three. And I, I really wouldn't argue because I think there's so many different permutations with the amount amount of talent that's there. So I'm really excited to get into these guys and see what we got because, you know, how many how many guys are we planning to watch uh, for this pod? Like Brian Thomas Jr., Jalen Polk, Taz Walker, Adonai Mitchell. Yeah, it's, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's like eight or nine guys we're going to talk about. And you guys know how we like to talk. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we should probably get into it. Um, is there anybody that you in particular want to start off with? I don't not not in particular. No, I think we could just get get onto it. Is there anyone in particular you want to start? I guess two guys that I'll start out with because I was able to um, grade them and I wrote up Tez Walker's scouting report yesterday and I wrote up a comp for Troy Franklin a couple days ago. So I think I'll start with those guys. Troy Franklin uh, graded out as you know. Uh, he, top 50 guy for me i think round one is very is viable for him i think you know for me he's such a unique prospect because he's around 6'3 listed at 188 but could weigh in even lighter than that so you know the list of 6'3 receivers who are 190 pounds or fewer is not very big at the nfl level you know guys who have been let alone be successful but just exist in that with that mold right so that kind of confined my comp form but i landed on robbie anderson or robbie chosen it's yeah and it's it's really funny because like when i watch those like tall and lanky guys yeah. i'm like oh well like maybe that's a little bit of terry mclaurin and then you look at terry mclaurin and he's 215 yeah. pounds <laughs> like you you think like these guys are long and lanky but with all the of the different builds you can't really tell just by looking at some of these guys how big they actually are and and troy franklin is a guy that you can look at and they're like you know like 
wearing number 11 yeah. makes him even more linear <laughs> than he already is you got to get rid of that number and, and try to fill your fill your frame out a little bit yeah. with with the number he's got to pick like 88 um, or something because that, yeah, yeah, that's, sure, that's working sure. against him but mm -hmm. uh yeah you know and i think what was i gonna say i was gonna say yeah like there is a little bit of wiggle room with comps i feel like stylistically you know if there's some oh, similar sure. but you know i yeah. try to stick to size parameters just because size and physical makeup can dictate your style to a degree right so it's one of those things where you kind of look at that but you know i, I was looking at robbie chosen robbie anderson and some of his best years i think and you know the way that they win the vertical speed you know having enough flexibility to kind of carve through coverages and exploit holes in zone uh the ability to work beyond your frame although i think franklin is even better there with his hands i think he's a little more consistent in that phase so i think you know the way that he wins is a vertical separator but also a kind of a zone slasher you can definitely see a projection for him in that mold and i think you know robbie anderson there's some off-field stuff you know some offensive you know circumstantial things that kind of impacted his production at times you know playing with the jets the panthers not a ton of great qb play uh in his career so i think there's an argument to make that troy franklin could be a robbie anderson type talent with an even greater prime an even longer prime and an even more productive prime so i'm excited to see what he does that was the comp i landed on for him and then tess walker graded out in the late day two early day three range for me i think six three two hundred six two and a half two hundred uh the size speed is definitely what stands out even going back to kent state uh the explosiveness to stack down the field and you know it's more of a you know 40 yard speed for him i don't think he has elite 10 yard burst but once he's able to open up his strides that's when you really see him get up that vertical plane and he's so good at tracking the football timing his adjustments right holding defense defensive backs in suspense and kind of keeping them in where he wants them to be so that he can open up opportunities for himself to kind of make those body adjustments i think the control that he plays with in that phase on the deep third uh, is very impressive to me the route running is kind of what i was concerned about i think he has a lot of room yep. to improve especially in the short and intermediate ranges the footwork efficiency is is not great right now i think the attention to detail the intentional movement can really improve i think right now he's just a vertical guy if you're projecting to the nfl level but i i think he can be a very good vertical guy and i do think we were talking a little bit about it before the podcast i think he has enough zone awareness and bend to kind of sear around defensive backs and work laterally to on in breakers so i think he's got that ability as well uh, but mostly going to be a vertical guy at the next level now he has the speed and the elite catching instincts in the hands to be very good in that phase but can he expand beyond that that's my question but i think late day three early day four or, or late day two early day three my bad there is no day four <laughs> we're adding a day to the nfl Honestly, draft we, we might, might as well we might have to man this class is so deep but you know in that range uh -huh. tez walker that's kind of my thought process on those guys yeah, so Troy Franklin, I, I think I'd, I'm just going to consistently be a little bit lower on on Franklin than everybody else. I mean, you have him as a, a top 50 guy. I have him, you know, in that probably 40 to 60 range. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think I'm too much lower. Uh, I wouldn't personally take him in round one unless I had a, a very specific role for him early on. The one thing that you didn't really bring up that I actually like from him quite a bit is I thought that he was way more slippery. Yeah. Uh, to tackle than I anticipated him going into it. And, and I watched him a little bit last year over the summer, and I didn't see that as often. But he's somebody who in the lower half is a lot stronger than I gave him credit for. Uh, there's a little bit of contact balance there, but I think more than the contact balance, it's just really good flexibility overall. Now, that flexibility doesn't always show up as a route runner. Uh, I, I think that when you look at what he does and, and what his speed and his acceleration allow him to do is be a really big threat, you know, on those downfield crossing patterns and in the vertical plane. I think that he has good start stop as well. 
um, at times, but at other times, you know, the lanky legs, there's, there are inefficiencies there as a route runner. Um, and he doesn't always come back to the ball with the aggressiveness that I want him to. Tez Walker is different as a player. Hmm. I think that he has one of the most intriguing skill sets of a wide receiver that you can have. And that's incredibly late hands to the ball downfield and the ability to attack. And that's what he does incredibly well. His, you know, uh, sideline awareness is fantastic. His ability to make those big splash plays is huge. I mean, he's a guy who I think could average 16 to 20 yards per reception at the NFL level because of his speed, because of his ability down the field. But like you said, it's all in the vertical plane right now. His usage reminds me a lot of DK Metcalf at Ole Miss. They're not nearly the same type of player. DK Metcalf is kind of an all-around three-level threat, somebody who they talked about his route running, but his route running was always better than the narrative was surrounding him. Mm -hmm. He was really good with start-stop. I think that Tez needs a lot of work in his route running overall. And you talked about his spatial awareness a little bit, but I still think that he needs to get better at that and attacking zone leverage as well. There are times where he gets kind of caught sticking around a defender in zone coverage when he really should be opening up and finding that space in the zone, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the quick game. He just needs a little bit more time on the field, and that's something that, unfortunately, he hasn't been able to get this season because the NCAA sucks. Yeah. So and it's it's an unfortunate you know uh, loss here. I do think, you know, he's somebody who in round three, if you are looking for a legitimate speed threat, height, weight, speed, not weight, but height and speed guy, that is the guy who I'm kind of looking at mm -hmm. as that guy in round three. Or if he is there in round four, I'm absolutely jumping on it because I do think that he has the physical ability, the requisite skill set athletically to be a three-level threat. Mm -hmm. I just think that he needs a lot of work until he gets there, and I'm not really comfortable taking that inside the top two rounds. Yeah, and in this class in particular, you have a lot of guys who are 6'2", six, 6'3", yes. six, a lot more than characteristically we're accustomed to seeing who are actually really good. I don't think good. there was a wide receiver in the class last year no. who was over six feet tall. And not, right? not just <laughs> being six, not just over six feet, man, but guys who are good route runners, the guys who are yeah. actually very capable of separating in the short and intermediate ranges. And I want to add to my zone comments on Walker real quick because I think for me it was more about you know, when he's able to keep his strides and kind of use curvilinear acceleration to yeah. bend around guys, that's when it really shows up. But I agree to your point. I think when, you know, he has to make those quick, sharp breaks on like out, you know, just digs, right? That's when he's not able to channel that explosiveness very well and hit those zones. So I think that, again, that goes back to something that he needs to improve beyond his vertical element. In the vertical plane, he's extremely proficient. I, I uh, tweeted a couple of videos from, uh, what game was it? I forgot what game it was, but it was uh, it was Duke. It was against Duke. And, uh, you know, he's working on the vertical plane. You know, he's the, the late hands, I think, is the perfect thing to bring up because yeah. he's just so composed. I mean, he's so patient. You know, some receivers kind of panic when they're working at full speed. It, it, we kind of gloss over how hard it is to work on the vertical plane. You are you are running at full speed, almost tracking a, a pass that's moved 50 yards, right? It's way up in the air. You've got a defender right in your chest. You know, having the control to stay patient and make the adjustment at the exact millisecond that you need to and then gather the ball uh, while you're falling to the ground and keep both feet in. Like, it's very hard yep. to do all of this, those things at the same time. So Walker definitely has that ability. It's just, you know, a lot of elite deep threats that you see at the NFL level. 
their primes are sometimes shorter, right? Sometimes a little less sustainable because once defenses figure that out and, and kind of put the lid on the bottle, then they can't succeed in other ways, right? So I want him to be more variable with his skill set. Uh, but I, I hope that'll come in time. I do think the flashes are there. We'll see. But, um, you know, moving on to some of the other guys, we've talked about the taller receivers in this class who can actually separate. Uh, what God, you know what? I'm mad at you because <laughs> I had that exact transition just in my head. I, I was going to say that. And we got synergy, man. You synergy. Just, you just took it and ran with it. So go. Which one do you want to talk about? Because there's two of them I'm thinking about. I'll let, I'll let you go first with these. I'll let you dish out first. But two guys that are coming to mind for me, and I'm there's a couple more, but I think um, the two guys that really stand out when we're talking about taller guys who can route run uh, to the highest level in this class, Adonai Mitchell, obviously from Texas, and then Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. I think those are the two. So uh, dish out. You, you can start with these guys. What'd you like? Yeah, Brian Thomas Jr., man, a uh, lot of fun, and, and we're going to get into A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell might be, like, my favorite wide receiver in this class mm-hmm. because, like, when I saw him against Alabama, I immediately knew this kid can play because it was it was one play in particular where the six foot four, you know, 190-pound wide receiver, whatever he is, he's not that thick, um, he exploded off of the line against – uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and he kind of lost his balance on an inside release and was kind of tumbling forward. And instead of, you know, falling over or kind of gathering himself slowly, he just kind of shot up and went and ran away from Kool-Aid McKinstry. And it wasn't even close. And I was like, okay, this this guy is, is an athlete. And then, you know, you kind of keep watching his game, and it's like, man – there really isn't anything this guy can't That's do. That's the exact thought like, process I had. Like it's kind of like Jaden Daniels from LSU and the quarterback discussion. Like mm-hmm. you watch him more and more his 2023 tape. Like what holes am I supposed to poke in this guy's game? So continue, but yeah, like it's the, the exact- one hole. Well, the, the whole Jaden Daniels game is that he's 190 pounds <laughs> yeah. and he plays it like he's Josh Allen at, exactly. at 250. Um, but no, no, AD Mitchell, man, like he's somebody who we really do need to talk more about being a legitimate first round prospect because. I know the, the the one thing that scares me with him is the production and the kind of ball gravity because the gravity is more towards Xavier Worthy in that offense. And normally when we see that, it's it's a sign that, hey, this guy is super talented, but he might just not be f- – like he might not be the force to need targets at the next level. And if he's a guy who's going to catch, you know, three to six passes a game, even if he goes for 18 yards a pop, which he very well could, it's not really worth first round capital. You need a guy who is going to be target rich in the first round. And that's the one thing that scares me with Mm -hmm. his profile is the production at Texas. Uh, But he has everything else, man. He has the length. He is a legitimate red zone threat with his length. And I think that's where I'm going to transition into Brian Thomas Jr. because the threat that he is in the red zone is unreal. Mm -hmm. He has some of the easiest explosiveness that I've seen from somebody at his size. And I think that Mitchell might be a little bit faster than Thomas is, but that zero to 60 that Thomas has is really violent. Also, (laughs) the change of direction and the creativity with the ball in his hands that Brian Thomas has really surprised me. So these are two guys both six foot three, six foot four, you know, right around 200 pounds. Fluid as all get out, both of these guys. Both of these guys are true three level threats as route runners as well. 
I don't think that these guys are, you know, Justin Jefferson flexible as route runners, um, especially in those like secondary releases when they're playing against off coverage. Um, the one thing that I like most about Brian Thomas is the way that he attacks the ball in the air. Um, he's not just a 50-50 guy, but he has that skill set on top mm-hmm. of everything that he does as a more traditional wide receiver. So those are two guys who I don't think are being talked about enough in this class, and I understand why they're not being talked about as much, um, especially with somebody like Brian Thomas Jr., who has somebody who is a better wide receiver on his own football team. Um but these are two guys who I think could both go in round one in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about how absurd that is. Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. are on the same mm-hmm. team. We're, we're, we're going to look back, and that's just going to be... It's that. like, the, I mean, it, they're not the 2019 LSU yeah. Tigers, obviously. But those two guys and Jaden Daniels is a legitimately elite trio of weapons in that offense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uncanny. And, you know, going back to that, too, uh, te- going to Texas... Um, you mentioned the gravity argument. It was a thought that I had. Could it be chemistry with Quinn Ewers? Because Xavier Worthy has had a couple more years to kind of build that. It definitely could be. And it could be a little bit of Sark's offense as well. Because when you look at who is getting the targets at the line of scrimmage, it's Xavier Worthy. They have a lot of manufactured touches, get the ball out quickly. And he's the guy that is getting those. And it makes sense because he is so shifty Mm -hmm. in that area. He has such good vision. Uh, in that area, Um, and he's a really good player as well, but I I think that when I'm looking at from a a pro prospect perspective, it's hard for me to like him more than AD, even if he has a little bit more gravity in that Texas offense. Yeah, for sure, and the gravity thing is really interesting to me because I feel like, I mean, it's a great point. The production when he was at Georgia, right? You know, you see some of the flashes of route running there, even in his first and second years, where it's like, you know, this guy is six foot four, 196 pounds. He's super bendy. You know, he's explosive. He's tough. He's got great hands. You know, why isn't he getting enough? And, and Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey are getting the targets. Exactly. So exactly. it's like, why isn't he getting more, right? And then he comes to Texas. And I do think it's starting to catch on a little bit this year, right? I think he has like 46 catches for like 600 yards and nine touchdowns or something. So, you know, at this point, he's yeah. I think he's checked the production box enough to say that, yeah, you know, it, he's past that threshold where it's not a concern. But at the same time, if you're trying to separate him with some of the first round guys in his class, it's like, why didn't he put up the numbers of a Malik Neighbors, yes. right, or or uh, Roma Duns? Why didn't he do that, right? So, and that's how and that's how close this class is. So we're gonna look at this and we're gonna be, hey, like these guys tags are touching. What is the tiebreaker? Yeah, and the tiebreaker very well could be production. Yeah, and but that's the conversation that I have with Ad Mitchell because I ran the numbers and he graded absurdly high for me like i'm talking not just first round i'm talking early first round he graded very high for me from a traits perspective and so i'm asking this question like he doesn't have this elite production so and he hasn't been the target funnel of this texas offense so do do we think he has the traits to supersede that at the next level is it something that's going to be a problem i think he has the traits to do it i think you know it's not just i think it's not a byproduct of uh, any limitation on his side I'm more inclined to believe that it's the offense or the chemistry is still building. Uh, that's my inclination because I watched the tape, man, and you mentioned it. He checks every single box that you need in the wide receiver. There's a, a couple plays that stand out to me, you know, that kind of exemplify both those things. Obviously, the speed and explosiveness are there for him, but I think the twitch, the foot speed, the short area malleability for him at his size, being six foot four, 
is is very very impressive to me i remember there was a play against tcu this past week uh it was in the red zone and he's got he he feigns the slant and it's one of those delayed off-man releases that you were talking about you know he feigns the slant so he kind of you know quick foot fire release inside field and then the db has he's got some space on him but as he's feigning that slant all of a sudden he swivels around two steps and he's diverting back the other way and hitting the end zone fade. And it's so efficient, you know, so fluid how he swivels around. There's no wasted movement. There's no delay at all. I think that hip flexibility, that swivel freedom at his size being 6'4", with the foot speed he has, the explosiveness that he has, and then at the catch point too. This guy is phenomenal. I think very strong hands, very good ball tracking ability. For that, I go back to a play against Kansas State where he used his speed to kind of get separation on the vertical plane. And the pass was a little bit past his outreached arms, but he managed to dive, you know, high difficulty adjustment, going low to the ground, get his hands under the football. And I thought he dropped it live because, you know, he was moving the football. So I'm like, you know, there's a little bit of instability there, but he so quickly after he gathered it, secured it to his frame as he's rolling on the ground, you know, just the reaction quickness, the focus, you know, to me in every phase that you could ask for, I think this guy has all the tools to be a wide receiver one at the next level. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking a stand here. I think emphatically, you know, the production is going to be a concern for some people. And I think you look at some of the production models that we have, you know, it can be a separating factor. But I think once you start talking about it as a separating factor, you have to circle back to the tape and ask one more question. You know, is it a product of the, of the prospect or a product of the situation, the surroundings, the, the context? And for me, with A.D. Mitchell... I think it's the context, and I think he has the tools to supersede that at the next level. So I, I was a big fan of his tape already coming in, but then I ran the grade, and I'm like, you know, there really is nothing that this guy lacks right now. Maybe, you know, the wiry frame, but he's got wiry strength too. So it's like it's one of those things, not, not even that could be a knock, and he's a good run blocker too. You know, for me, it's just, you know, I, I was a really big fan coming in, and already, you know, he's kind of risen to that tier where, you know, not just a first-round guy, but this might be a top-five receiver. Yeah, um, and, and when it comes to him, I think the other thing that we can kind of point out, um, and, and Brian Thomas is very much the same way, you know, two guys that really came on this season is you can look at them and be like, hey, these guys are probably still ascending players. Yeah. These guys are still kind of figuring things out as they go. They are just incredibly talented. When you look at A.D. Mitchell, he was, I think, like the, a, a top five transfer in the nation coming up, and, and this is after being like a three-star mm -hmm. as a recruit. So somebody who I think is uh, still getting better as well, which is scary. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that he's a guy um, who should be going in the first round. But I do think that people will question why he doesn't get the ball as much as Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy, on the other hand, incredibly talented player. To me, he's just... 100% a, and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, he's just a watered-down version of Devontae Smith. He's got that crazy downfield speed. He is really, really slippery mm -hmm. when he's got the ball in his hands. He is way better contact balance than you would ever think a 160-pound wide receiver should have. But he's got bad hands. Like, legitimately, those hands are a problem. And... You well, I say it's a problem. It's not really a problem because he still produces. Like, will there be times where if the production is not adding up and he's having drop issues, it could be a problem? No. But I, I think that when you look at Xavier Worthy, he might not be around one guy, especially in this class, but he's a guy who you could easily see 65 to 85 catches a year, 
you know, around that thousand yard mark for the next five or six years as an NFL player. And I think that we know what he is at this point. He's been doing it for three years at Texas. And I think that he can get that same kind of juice going at the NFL level immediately. Yeah, I think with Worthy, it's, you know, the speed, the long strider speed, but then also the snappy flexibility to retract back yeah. and, and use that as a route runner. And he's really good at pressing upfield into stems, too. That's one thing I appreciate. Uh, he knows how to use his speed to manipulate defensive backs. It's not just something that's in his compartment. He, he knows how to weaponize it. So... And that's, you know, going back to Devontae Smith, like Devontae Smith had that too, like the athleticism, but then using it to offset DBs. And he's got that too. You know, I think the hands, it's really, it can be frustrating at times because I, I do think his mm -hmm. instincts, his ball tracking ability, I do think that's a strength of his, right? Like I do think, especially yes. down the field, like yes. he's very good at finding the ball, flowing underneath it, getting himself in proper positioning. And it's not even like some of those really tough catches downfield. He can make those. But then it's like when he's wide open, sometimes there'll just be a focus drop, right? You know, you want him to be stronger, more consistent in that phase. And it's difficult to put, uh, you know, put my finger on it. Like, what's the issue here, right? It just seems like a matter of consistency, maybe focus. And then you wonder, you know, being at, at 165 pounds, right? Maybe 170 when he gets into the league, right? You know, he's going to be a weight outlier at the next level. So with that play strength issue too, like how is that going to translate, right? So we'll see. I do think the speed, the route running, flexibility, and the nuance will definitely help him because the modern NFL football is a game of separation. If you can separate, if you can use that gravitational effect to tug defensive backs around the field and create space for yourself, that is something that you can build off of. And Xavier Worthy has that. So I think that's something to take solace in with his report. But at the same time, those focus drops, they don't always go away. And sometimes the physicality of the NFL game, the threat of hard contact when you're running at high speeds, like that can be kind of a kind of a uh, differentiating factor too. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. But, you know, I do think for the for the space-oriented NFL game, there is a lot to be excited about with Xavier Worthy. It's just you look at a prospect like Mitchell, like Thomas, these are guys who, you know, have the necessary speed, have the necessary flexibility, and they're bigger, they're more consistent. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, the farther you go down the checklist, it, it's more difficult to make an argument for worthy over those guys. Yes. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about might be a little bit, uh, this is going to get me worked up a little bit, because I know <laughs> we're going to see comps like Cooper Cup, Wes Welker. We're going to see a bunch of dumb stuff when it comes to Ladd McConkey. Um, and he is a different player. Mm -hmm. He is his own player. And if you comp him just to the, the token white guy who plays wide receiver in the NFL, I'm going to get upset. <laughs> Be a little bit more creative than that. I was thinking this, Jordy Nelson, this, personally. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, this dude, McConkie could play. Yeah. Like, legitimately play. He is a very good athlete. I mean, he's somebody who, explosive, violent separator. Somebody who... He puts that foot in the dirt and explodes in and out of breaks. He has unbelievable understanding of how to attack leverage as in man coverage, zone coverage. He's an intelligent route runner. You can tell this is a guy who has played a lot of football for Georgia over the years. And he is a legitimate day one guy who can produce at the NFL level. He's not just explosive in the short area. He's not just a slot wide receiver at the NFL level. He's got great hands at the line of scrimmage. He has impressive long speed as well. There really isn't much that Ladd McConkey can't do. And it's something that probably stereotypical of me. I did not expect that kind of player when I turned on the tape.
Yeah, he's very solid. I mean, just like, you know, especially for we're talking about the space oriented NFL game. This is a game that Lad McConkey mm-hmm. is built to win. This is a guy who has the speed, the explosiveness, like you said, but the throttle control too. this past week, that double move that he scored the touchdown on. That's a perfect example of it. You know, pressing upfield into the stem, diverting outside the change of direction and the intentional head fakes to kind of bait the DB into breaking. And then all of a sudden, just like that, he can turn 90 degrees and accelerate immediately upfield. You know, the throttle control that he has, it's violent it's abrupt you don't expect it and he's so good at you know making those direction changes while channeling his full acceleration out of them you know he can put defenders on a string you know i the way i like to put at it put it is you know some wide receivers can attack leverage like this guy is malicious with how he does it like he is Mm -hmm. looking to beat you as a defensive back he's actively looking to use his traits to beat you one-on-one he can do it because he's got the speed the explosiveness the change of direction you know all of those tools are there for him you know i think in this wide receiver class with as many taller guys as there are, you know, he's like six foot one at 85. I think that's what he's listed at. Might come in at like 5'11", you know, a little bit closer yeah. to that. So we'll see. That's like the only thing you, that you can knock because I do think he has good hands. I do think he's got very strong hands and he's, you know, he can secure the football well over the middle of the field amidst contact. I don't think that's an issue for him. I think he's good at tracking the ball, you know, making catches with adjustments beyond his frame. So, you know, I don't think there's any red flags there. I Saw a little bit of Christian Kirk when I was kind of workshopping comps this past weekend, but I think even that might not be enough for him. You know, I think he he might be a little bit more consistent as a route runner. So it's like, you know, but I think, you know, that high energy athleticism and the throttle control, you know, those are two elements that kind of stood out to me, the speed as well, you know, so, but I think at the end of the day, you're getting a guy, like you said, a day one facet of your offense who can separate one-on-one independently. You can use him in motions too on sweeps and stuff. I mean, he's got some versatile yep. usage as well. So, you know, a player that will be very easy to integrate on day one and a guy who will be competing with NFL athletes on day one. He's got the route running chops to really succeed in that role. So you know, he's a fun player. Do you think he could go round one? You know, that's the con- that's the conversation that's been had. I know he's cracked the top 50 for a lot of boards. He's rising up my board right now. The size is going to be the differentiating factor. But, you know, we talk about this checklist at wide receiver and you know, I'm struggling to find out because we have seen receivers that maybe aren't as complete as him going round one. And I think you look at the speed, the routing chops. To me, there's an argument to make. I don't know if it's definitive, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about all of these guys and, and anybody in the NFL draft is it only takes one. Yeah. It only takes one organization to fall in love with a guy. And we've seen guys be drafted rounds ahead of where they should have been because one organization fell in love with them. Uh, and, and so, yes, he could absolutely go in round one. He has the skill set to do it. I don't know if it'll happen in this class, but he's somebody who is incredibly talented. I mean, and, and it's not just because of this wide receiver class either. I mean, it's just because this class in general is incredibly talented and it's incredibly talented at incredibly important positions throughout the NFL offense and, and, and defense. So. I think uh, I think he probably ends up falling just outside of the first round, but if a team likes him and they're looking, you know, specifically for, you know, somebody who can complement a legitimate number one guy, if they have, you know, their six foot two, two hundred and five pound X receiver, and you need a Z or you need somebody to move around and play a little bit in the slot, play a little bit outside, I think McConkey might be the best fit out of all of these guys for that specific role. Mm-hmm. The next guy I want to talk about a little bit, and I want you to get into it because you have been on Jalen Polk forever now. Some of the most impressive hands oh, yeah. in this class, right? I mean, yes. I, I saw 
one drop on tape out of three games that I watched of his, and it was kind of a, a deep out route, hands underneath, don't know how he dropped it because he catches everything else. Mm-hmm. The dude's hands are like steel, honestly. Like it's it's really impressive to me. Now, I, I you know, we talk about route running from some of these guys. I do think he has room to expand his route tree a little yes, bit. I think the too. release work. I like the double moves. Yeah. I, I like his double moves. Like you can tell he gets it yeah. when it comes to like the physical ability and, and kind of the thought of how to beat guys. But you're, you're right. I do think from a down-in, down-out consistency perspective, I agree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're projecting to the NFL, like for me personally as an evaluator, like seeing that capacity at the very least is is fun. I, it's good. I like to see that. It's reassuring to me. If you have the capacity to understand leverage and manipulate leverage and not only that, but the athleticism and the flexibility to do it against defensive backs, like that's very reassuring to me. That is something that I will make note of. It's like, hey, we can build off of this, right? He definitely needs to improve his consistency in that regard, expand the route tree, expand the release package as well, be a little more intentional with his footwork at the line. Uh, I think right now he largely wins with his explosiveness, you know, kind of searing, you know, across face and using those leverage, you know, kind of misalignments to gain separation. Roma Dunze is the, definitely the wide receiver one in the offense, the slippery separator, right? But I think... Polk works off him really well right now is that big play threat who's also, you know, he has, he can, you know, kind of sear through zones on those crossers and in breakers and you know, those outs as well. So, but then for me personally, I think the thing that stands out to me, the most impressive thing on his tape uh, is kind of a combination of the hands and the explosiveness, right? I think once he gets a step on you, his throttle, his ability to throttle up is really impressive. You know, I think he, the way that he can generate just enough space to have comfort making those adjustments beyond his frame. I think that's one thing that he really does well. Some receivers don't quite have the explosiveness to do that, that extra gear to throttle up and create that late snap separation. But I do think he has that. And then even when defensive backs are recovering ground and getting back in his frame, uh, you mentioned it, the hands are just incredible. I mean, the strength that he has at the catch point, I think he's very good at using diamond techniques so not clap catching, not giving up too much space, getting his hands on the football, securing it. And just kind of making sure right then, like, hey, authoritatively, this ball is mine. I think Jalen Polk is one of the best in this class at doing that and having the explosiveness and the spatial awareness to gain separation just enough to, you know, make a more comfortable catch. I think having that as well is a very good thing to have on this tape, right? So I think for me personally, you know, maybe a little bit toward the back of this group that we've been talking about, just because guys like A.D. Mitchell, Brian Thomas, Lad McConkey are so much more translatable right now as separators, you know, kind of weaponizing their athleticism. But I do think Jalen Polk has the athleticism. And right, and also, too, I do think he has enough explosiveness and play strength at 6'2", 205. He can be a rack threat. You can scheme touches in the short range. I think he's got mm-hmm. that element to his game as well. So I see him as kind of that complementary threat right now use his explosiveness and he can generate big plays with his hands and his ball tracking ability but he can also use that same burst to you know generate quick chunk plays at the, near the line of scrimmage as well so i think you know for me that's kind of what he brings to the table right now as an nfl athlete there's still room to develop that route tree and that separation skill set but the tools are there and already with his hands his explosiveness his instincts in those close quarters uh there's a lot to like we're gonna finish this podcast off we have saved the absolute best for last. We are going to discuss South Carolina wide receiver Xavier Leggett. And uh, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because he's probably not the best wide receiver on this list, but he is absolutely my favorite. Uh, He might be my favorite prospect, period, because this is somebody who legitimately came out of nowhere this year. Nobody knew his name before this season. And 
it's hilarious because he's somebody who, even when you look back at last year, watch him return a couple of kicks, you're like, this dude is a freak. Somebody who, on the field, when I'm watching tape, I look for things to differentiate guys when I'm watching. Like, hey, does he wear a, a leg sleeve, armbands, different colored socks, the shoes? Drip check. Like, how can yeah. I, how can I find these guys on the field? And it's kind of hard to find Xavier Leggett sometimes because he looks like their tight end as well on the field. He looks like a tight end on the field. And I, I've had some discussions with a buddy of mine who has measurements for a lot of these guys and said, hey, Leggett might not be 6'3". He might be like more like six and a half feet, like six foot, six one maybe. Mm -hmm. But he also might have grown a couple of inches because this is a guy who wasn't nearly this big coming out of high school. But he is a height, weight, speed anomaly. Mm -hmm. Somebody who just does, it shouldn't exist. And I'm seeing a couple of DK Metcalf type comps. And to me, from a height, weight, speed perspective, that's exactly what he is. Somebody who I think could go to the NFL combine and legitimately shock people with how explosive he is at his size. Because I do think he is a legitimate 230 pounds. This dude is thick. But my favorite thing about him is his ability to attack the football. Nobody in this class, in my opinion, even Tez, because Tez is fantastic downfield with late hands. Leggett's a little bit different. Leggett's somebody who is going to elevate, be bigger than you, and he's going to catch the ball at the absolute highest point. Mm -hmm. And he's so big and he is so strong and his hands are so good. There's nothing that you can do as a defensive back to knock that ball out of his hands. Vice grips the immediate second that they touch his hands at the highest point. He is a freak. He's got fantastic start stop for his size. And he's somebody who is a much more fluid route runner than you would expect from somebody who is so big and muscle bound, really fluid, especially when you're talking about like routes, like it's not a, a blaze out in Kyle Shanahan's, system but the blaze out which would kind of be like a post corner or a, a post to an out route mm -hmm. um those multi-layered routes is something that you don't expect somebody his size to be able to execute at a high level but he does i mean he's somebody who even as an older prospect who blows up for one year and might have only blown up because <laughs> juice wells got injured i still think that even if if juice would have stayed healthy Leggett would have found his way into the day like two discussion. I think that he would have had a little bit of gravity in that offense just because he is so physically dominant at the catch point where I think, you know, he's averaging like 19 yards a catch right now. Mm -hmm. He is a big downfield threat. He's a great post catch threat as well. There isn't much he can't do, but the age he's been playing the crazy thing. <laughs> is that he's been playing through an admitted injury in his ankle the entire year. Ankle foot is has been bothering him, and he still just runs right by people that are 40 pounds lighter than him. So this is a dude who I don't know how much he's missing with the foot injury because he's playing through it and he's playing really well. He's producing like crazy, but he's an older prospect that came out of nowhere, and he wasn't on anybody's radar, and sometimes that, that drops guys down. 
when you just come out of nowhere like that, especially mm-hmm. if you aren't upperclassmen yeah. the way that he is. He is a fifth-year guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's probably somebody who goes in day two. But aside from Marvin Harrison Jr., like Leggett, in my opinion, could legitimately end up being the most productive wide receiver in this class at the next level outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know if he'll be a first-rounder, but if you get him in the right situation with the right kind of quarterback, I think that he could absolutely explode at the next level. I was just I was just enjoying watching how excited you were at the beginning of that. I was like, this dude is like amped up, man, for Xavier Leggett. He's like, dude, he's my he's my favorite. He is like he is my pet cat for this draft class. There's just something about him that I can't let go of. And <laughs> I don't know if if anybody else will like him anywhere close to the amount that I like him. Um but he made an impression on me very early this year and has continued to make that impression. So somebody who I'm, I'm very, very high on in this class. Yeah. I remember the um, the age in the late breakout uh, discussion for an SEC prospect that was kind of a similar talking point for Cedric Tillman last cycle. You know, a guy who really broke onto the scene really late in his career uh, and ended up going round three to the Browns. He hasn't caught on yet, but I was very high on him too. So I think, you know, it's it's not – Definitely, there is something to early breakouts and, you know, the marriage of film and analytics. We always debate that yeah. every time, you know, the, the draft cycle comes around. But I, I oh, break breakout age. Yeah, Twitter is that, my favorite. That always comes around. I don't think there's one cookie cutter way to look at it. Right. I think every prospect's developmental track and, you know, the opportunities yeah. that come around is different because you mentioned it. Like if Antoine Juice Wells didn't get injured, we might not be talking about this. We might because he is so talented. But. The circumstances really lined up this year for Leggett to take that increased role. And I'm just I'm trying to, you know, put myself in the mindset of a DB trying to cover this guy because he's almost more scary to me if he's six foot and a half as opposed to six three. Because the dude is 225, 230 pounds either way. You know, this is like a move <laughs> yeah, yeah, move yeah, yeah, tight end, right? So this guy is yeah. rocked up. He is strong. So at the point of attack, you know, if he, he's and he's got like 33 inch arms at least too. I mean, the proportional yeah. length is really impressive. He's got mitts for hands as well. So the dude has a larger reach than you. He's so strong in his core. So he can, you know, bat through extensions and pry his, himself three. You know, he can hit 24 miles an hour, maybe even faster i forgot what his max speed was but i remember uh, he hit 20 it was uh 23.2 23.2 they hit him at. so yeah, yeah and i don't know how i don't know how perfect that is mm-hmm. uh at the college level it's not like you have next gen out there for for the college level yeah. i think it's more like independent uh outlets that do it and i don't know how good it is but it would have been the fastest speed of anybody over the last three years in yeah. the at the NFL level, it wasn't um, since Raheem Mostert in 2020 that hit that speed. Mm-hmm. And I remember too, when I was doing my Tez Walker evaluation. He hit like 23.4 against Georgia last year, and he's a guy that I expect to you know maybe run high fault four threes. So I think yeah. Leggett definitely has that long speed. I mean, when he's able to open up his strides, and then the wingspan is dominating. You know, the ability to rise vertically, the vertical athleticism too. Uh, you know, all of those things are really adding up for him. I wanted to ask the route running because that's kind of the separating factor for a lot of taller guys. You you expressed optimism for the flexibility. Real quick, how far is he along in that phase? Oh, I think he's I think he's pretty far along. Yeah, I, I think that he is a natural separator, which was absolutely shocking to me for somebody his size. Uh, I actually think I don't think that he's as dominant a prospect as DK Metcalf was. I think DK was a, a little bit more like naturally explosive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that Leggett wins a little bit more with physicality, but as a downfield player, I think that he's better because DK Metcalf, for as big and as strong as he is, the contested stuff is not good with DK. Mm-hmm. Like that has always kind of been a, a downside to his game overall. Um, but when it comes to like his usage is way better than DK's was, you see him doing a lot more. And that intermediate route running, that kind of, I think, stands out to a lot of us as like these guys are really, really good. That's the type of stuff that really impresses me the most with Leggett relative to like what you expect from a size speed guy. Um, because you don't expect him to be a nuanced route runner. You don't expect him to be somebody who understands and attacks leverage. Um, I just noticed that we are at 44 minutes and we need to get out. I was about to. I was about to. I was about to go like, yeah, I got to watch more of him. And then I was going to steal the, the sign off from you. I was like, and that's all we got today. No, you can yeah. you can take it. You can take it. No, like, and we butted up to it here. And we had to because there are so many, there's so much talent here. So Mm -hmm. we needed to to, to talk a lot about this. And we will rank these guys at the end of the season. But no, everybody, thank you for listening. We hit 5,000 downloads. Let's do 50,000 by the end of the NFL draft. And remember, guys, I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.